Mercosur, the trade union between Brazil, Argentina, Paraguay and Uruguay, has always struggled to reach true integration. Since 1991, when the Asuncion Treaty was signed, the bloc has never fully developed into anything remotely resembling the European Union or any other trade or associations around the world. Part of the blame for this resides in the fact that its member countries are just too different, both in terms of their size and economic potential and their actual interests. And in recent years, it looked as if the trade bloc was on the cusp of collapse. But last week, one notable deal breathed new life into Mercosur. My name's Ewan Marshall, standing in for Editor-in-Chief Gustavo Ribeiro, and this is Explaining Brazil. Para que la Argentina, Brasil, Paraguay y Uruguay pudieran continuar robusteciendo lo que consideramos, lo que siempre consideramos y hoy volvemos a Andrés Pigariol, you're the latest addition to the Brazilian Report's Brasilia team. Welcome to the show. Hi, Ewan. Thanks for having me and thanks for the warm welcome. And so you were one of the first people to report on a highly important deal signed between Brazil and Argentina last week. But before we go into it, um, you also mentioned that we can't discuss this deal without first talking about Carlos Frense who took office as Brazil's foreign minister in April of this year. So why is that? Well, Francia is a career diplomat known for being even new. Since becoming the minister, he has worked to bring Brazilian diplomacy back to respectability, that is, cutting out the anti-globalist nonsense and focusing on Brazil's foreign interests. It's a results-first, ideology-later approach, and that's a huge shift from his predecessor, Ernesto Araújo, who was arguably the most radical foreign minister in Brazil's history. His two years as foreign minister was one massive digression from Brazil's diplomatic history, since Araújo turned his back on long-held principles such as defending human rights, pushing for a more central and independent role for Brazil on the global stage, and not interfering in the internal affairs of allied nations. Araújo was always a marginal figure in what, what has always been an unspectacular cabinet, and due to his anti-globalist views, he was never welcomed by the political establishment. His anti-China rhetoric and total alignment with the Donald Trump White House diplomacy was seen as liabilities by nearly all of the factions making up Jay Bolsonaro's patchwork government. How so? Simply put, it was bad for businesses. The economic libertarians, led by Economic Minister Paulo Guedes, knew it, as did Big Agro, represented by Agriculture Minister Teresa Cristina. And for the military wing of the government, Araújo represented a threat to their reputation. So, I mean, with all that, how did he manage to remain in office for so long? Well, he was a hit with the part of the government that matters the most, the Bolsonaro family. Alongside Congressman Eduardo Bolsonaro, Araújo helped shape a totally new slant to Brazil's foreign policy. Uh, the country began praising figures such as Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, who the CIA found ordered 
the assassination of journalist Jamal Khashoggi, as well as Hungarian far-right leader Viktor Orban, who has curtailed freedom of speech in his country and used the pandemic as an excuse to enact a power grab. And in his first month as foreign minister, Araújo got Brazil involved in an operation to oust Venezuelan president Nicolas Maduro, replacing him with former congressional leader Juan Guaidó. So, if the Bolsonaros liked him, what was it that eventually caused him to lose his job earlier this year? Well, technically, Araujo resigned. But the truth is, he was pushed out of office after mounting pressure from lawmakers who had wanted his head on a spike for months. His situation became untenable late in March after one of the government's top foreign policy advisors made a white supremacist gesture during a Senate hearing. And to make matters worse, Araujo accused senators of acting as lobbyists for Chinese interests, which is not that untrue. But you cannot say those things out in public without any consequence. <laughs> exactly. And so how has Carlos Ferenza acted since replacing Ernesto Araujo? It's been a massive U-turn in how diplomacy is handled in Brazil, Uh, for starters, he sought to ease tensions with China. Esta parceria se tem mostrado essencial para a gestão adequada da pandemia no Brasil. That caters to agribusiness lobbies, which have always supported for a better relationship with China, being the main destination for the products. Tendo em vista que parcela expressiva das vacinas oferecidas à população brasileira é produzida com insumos originários da China. França also wants to prioritize relations with the 10 members of the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, known as ASEAN. Last month, in an off-schedule meeting, President Bolsonaro himself had lunch with ASEAN ambassadors. Then, in a push to foster foreign direct investment in Brazil, he got Bolsonaro to agree to visit the United Arab Emirates later this year, as in July, Economy Minister Paulo Guedes held a meeting with representatives of the country's Sovereign Wealth Fund. There's also an investment facilitation agreement with the UAE, which has stalled in the Congress since 2019. But with this push on the diplomatic side, it looks like it's going to go to a vote. Foreign diplomats have celebrated this changed stance toward Asian countries, but they know who they are dealing with in Jair Bolsonaro. One seasoned negotiator told us that when he, when working with this current government, they are always at the risk of some new nonsense coming along. Their words, not mine. <laughs> Excellent. And well, right. So bring us around to the present day then. So what is this Mercosur deal that France managed to push through? So, this past Friday, during a visit of Argentina's Foreign Minister Santiago Cafiero to Brasilia, the two countries announced that they had hit again. So, this past Friday, during the visit of Argentina's Foreign Minister Santiago Cafiero to Brasilia, the two countries announced they had reached a compromise on lowering the common external tariff of Mercosur, the TEC. Lo que siempre consideramos y hoy volvemos a considerar y a reafirmar que el Mercosur es nuestro bloque regional, que el Mercosur precisa... Right, so for those who aren't familiar with the, the ins and outs of Mercosur, why, why is this important? 
So Mercosur rules state that all members must enforce the same device on imports and any change must be agreed upon by the entire group. For the past couple of years, especially during Alberto Fernandez's presidency in Argentina, debates regarding this tariff had turned relations sour in the bloc, with Argentina being the sole opponent to more liberal trade rules. And this argument even put the very future of Mercosur at risk, since taking office, Jair Bolsonaro has threatened to pull out of the trade alliance on several occasions, and Uruguay began negotiations over its own individual free trade agreement with China. As you mentioned before, one of the main problems with Mercosur is just how different its member states are from one another. Guillermo Valles Calmes, an Uruguayan delegate to the World Trade Organization once said that the trade alliance was made up of an elephant, a mouse, and two ants, with Brazil being the elephant in this analogy. So the common external tariff was a microcosm of all the tensions between member countries. And, you know, it's also very uncharacteristic of both Brazil and Argentina because, you know, among the G20 countries, South America's two biggest nations are those in which trade makes up the lowest share of the GDP. And so, right, so what else was talked about at the meeting? Well, there were discussions about infrastructure ventures and the purchase of Brazilian tanks by the Argentine government. So it was a massive win for Brazil and Foreign Minister Carlos França personally. And so why why is Carlos França getting all the credit then? Well, let's take a look on the past few years. President Jair Bolsonaro and Economy Minister Paulo Guedes have always been highly dismissive of Mercosur. Right after the 2018 election, Guedes said the bloc was not a priority and apparently his attitude constantly angered diplomats from other member states, especially from Argentina. Mercosur não é prioridade. When Argentina's Foreign Minister Santiago Cafiero announced his visit to Brasilia, Guedes just shrugged. He told the press he wanted a deal, not a luncheon, and made it clear that he had more important things to do than sitting with the head foreign official of Brazil's third largest trading partner. So, without support from Bolsonaro or Paulo Guedes, Carlos França was basically on his own to get the deal done, right? Exactly. André, thanks for joining us. And after the break, we're going to take a hop across the River Plate and see how Argentina has reacted to this deal. We'll be right back. As you know, The Brazilian Report is an independent news outlet that lives off subscriptions. So you can support our independence by choosing one of our plans for the best content about Brazil in English. And if you have already subscribed, then you can also buy us a coffee with a small donation starting at $4 and going up to whatever your budget and your heart allows, you can help us refill our coffee mugs to continue covering Brazil. Just go to buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report. Buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report. So I'm delighted to be welcomed by Ignacio Portes, the Brazilian Report's Buenos Aires correspondent. How's it going, Ignacio? Hi, Jung. Good to be here. So 
tell me, why has the Argentinian government been so adamantly against trade liberalization under President Alberto Fernandez? Well, like, the truth is that there, there are structural reasons for Argentina to be skeptical of trade liberalization. It has a, a very vulnerable local industry that depends a lot on protection to survive. Uh, the alternative to being uh, within the, the protective confines of Mercosur is the threat of China, the threat of um, massive imports coming in to which, with which Argentina is not used to competing at all. Uh, and which it, and for which it has a very outdated infrastructure, outdated logistics, more expensive costs, and so on. Uh, so they see uh, they see it as an impossible battle, uh, Argentine industrialists uh, to compete with with foreign imports. So their strategy for a long time has been to try to keep close with governments and 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 use uh, different. Uh, like lobbying organizations to uh, press governments into not uh, liberalizing trade, uh, so this is one big reason. And and the but even if there wasn't uh, these lobbying efforts from from the Argentine Industrial Union and all those kinds of of lobbying groups, uh, there there is definitely a sector of the population that feels threatened by by the possibility of, of foreign competition, and they are more more strongly represented in the in the Peronist coalition. Uh, than in than when the anti Peronists uh, are in government. So certainly, when Alberto Fernandez took office in 2019, he immediately said, "Okay, we're going to put a stop to liberalization of Mercosur with uh, the trade deal with the EU, the EU, the European Union, and we're going to be very slow on any liberalization of foreign tariffs uh, and so on." So, so it's a um, it's a structural thing that is that has the strongest representation in this particular Argentine government, but even a change of government would would still find resistance to this kind of changes. And so why the compromise on this tariff deal now? Is it you know, is it linked to the fact that maybe a more open Mercosur, even something that would be much more open than Argentina would want, maybe that would be better for Argentina than potentially no Mercosur whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. This was a compromise solution they they knew that there was a lot of pressure building against them uh that brazil wanted even more liberalization that uruguay is pressing to break apart to break to break the Mercosur apart with trade deals on their, on their own and so they know that they managed to secure a deal that keeps uh, the most sensitive sectors as exemptions right there's this waiver policy in which uh, certain key sectors such as textiles, footwear, home appliances, and even the car industry, which is actually negotiated outside of Mercosur, but it's still not touched by this lowering of tariffs. Uh, they, they, these are all kept. These are all sensitive sectors for Argentina that are kept apart of this ten percent reduction, and also the ten percent reduction is. Uh, milder than what could have been, right? Brazil was uh, at some point angling for even fifty percent reduction of tariffs. So they are they are compromising to show that they have goodwill after lots of time, at, after a long time of no changes that was putting Uruguay on the verge of breaking Mercosur. They they are they are conceding something to not give up everything. And also, there's the fact that the government just underwent a, a big defeat in the elections in in the primaries. And this forced cabinet changes, and the new cabinet that took off that took office 
the, especially the cabinet chief, is a more uh, pragmatical guy, let's say, uh, that he's more open to really any uh, ideological uh, orientation. So he, he, and he wanted to show some kind of changes and avoid more conflicts with neighborhoods in the, in the, with neighbors in the, in the build up to the November final election uh, that's coming in a month. So they said, okay, let's, let's concede a little bit and let's be pragmatic and uh, let's avoid a, a major, a more, a, a bigger problem like the Mercosur breaking uh, in the middle of the election season, which would not be uh, a positive for a government that's in crisis. So, do you think it would be an exaggeration to say that this deal has breathed new life into Mercosur? Well, it has stopped it from from breaking for now, because Uruguay was angling for this. Uh, for a trade deal that is not allowed under Mercosur uh, regulations. Mercosur obliges all its members, if they want to make a, a free trade deal, to do it within the Mercosur. So all four countries, Argentina, Brazil, Uruguay, and Paraguay, have to uh, band together and sign any deal with foreign actors. And China was, and Uruguay was saying, okay, we're tired of this. This is not going anywhere. The Mercosur is not advancing with any trade deals, with any liberalization of any kind. We are going to negotiate on our own with China, which is the most scary competitor that you could come up with for, for the Argentine industry and probably even for some of Brazil's industries and for many others. Like competing with China is very hard. So uh, Argentina is... Uh, conceding something to to stop that from now and to try to keep Brazil on their side, right? Because Uruguay is structurally interested in pressing for a deal with China. Uruguay is more competitive. They don't have such a strong, uh, big industry on which so much job creation depends. Uruguay is mostly agriculture and exports and finance and services and tourism and that kind of thing. And it feels ready to compete with China and it will be ready or more or less ready, whoever is in government. But it needs an ally. It needs an ally or two in Brazil and Argentina, which are the bigger players in the bloc. So uh, they are finding that ally in Brazil as of late. Uh, and Argentina was kind of cornered uh, against them, and Paraguay also was in, in, in Brazil and Uruguay's corner, uh, favoring liberalization. So, so Argentina was at risk of 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 uh, their their partners in the Mercosur just getting tired and breaking the the the, the, the trade deal. And uh, th- yes, they offered this as a as a as a olive branch to to keep things in in place for now, at least. And there was something I found interesting because, you know, this is quite a consequential development for Brazilian trade, but the reaction to the deal here was, you know, it was pretty quiet. Um, I mean, that's partly to do with the fact that October the 12th is a holiday, and so when the news broke on Friday, you had a lot of people who were already kind of heading off to the countryside or maybe the beach for like a short break. But what what was it like in Argentina? What was the reaction over there? Very quiet too. It hasn't been uh, on the front pages. Uh, sure, the news broke for a minute or two. People talked about it, but mostly, it. I think they tried to bury it a little bit. They put it on a on a Friday on a long weekend because uh, it's not the most. Uh, I mean, it shows the government backtracking on some of its on, on its positions. So they they didn't uh, make a huge deal out of it and and. 
journalism didn't react uh, much to it either. I think the focus in Argentina is on other issues. It's on the elections that are coming in November and it's on the deal with the IMF or no deal with the IMF and the economic crisis and a government that it's in, that it's in crisis itself. So a 10% reduction in a common tariff, sure, it's news, but it's small news compared to that. Uh, maybe if, if it had been the Mercosur breaking, sure, that would have been big news. So, But this is it's a smaller thing. And the government wants to keep it small, I think. It wants to, to not make a big deal out of it. And so it, it made the less noisy agreement possible to keep the Mercosur in place, to keep things more or less ticking, uh, to keep the relationship with Bolsonaro they, you know, on a pragmatic level, as it has been over the last few months to try to avoid any big conf- conflicts, any big negative headlines, because everything hurts the government right now. Any Every scandal, any clash uh, puts it in a more vulnerable position, uh, risking it to lose the Senate completely in the midterms in November. So they're playing, uh, a con- they are having a conservative approach to things right now, to everything. So it wasn't big, big noisy news. The, the idea, I think, was, was to keep it as quiet as possible. And so where do you think where do you think Mercosur goes from here your kind of short to medium term future Well I think uh the question now is who will be the governments uh after this right because in Argentina there's the possibility that government uh will change uh, in in 2 years time if if the things continue to go south for Peronism they will have Mac- uh, someone of the same party as Macri who was favoring more liberalization with Mercosur uh, in in two years' time, and so it 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 would depend on what Brazil has uh, on the on the press uh, when they have their own presidential elections next year. Uh, Bolsonaro will surely continue to favor liberalization, but uh, Lula, Cardoso, other Brazilian politicians have been uh, closer to Fernandez in many senses. They are uh, they have the that view that we were talking about about the industrialists. Uh, in mind, the, the Brazilian industrialists in their case, uh, they know that they they have vulnerable sector, sectors that could suffer from liberalization. So they would be more careful for sure if with liberalization than, than a Bolsonaro administration. They have said it in public. They have signed public letters saying, we understand Fernandez's approach here. We would be more careful than Bolsonaro if we were in government with trade liberalization because it's a it's a dangerous thing to to compete with countries such as China. So it depends on who on who's in government. Ignacio, thanks a lot. That was great. Thank you. Bye bye. Now, if you like explaining Brazil, please drop us a five star rating wherever you get your podcasts. It only takes a few seconds, but it's a huge help for us. Or you can sign up to the Brazilian Report, which is the journalistic engine behind this podcast. Now, we offer a seven-day free trial, no strings attached, which gives you access to the site for a week without the need to insert any credit card details whatsoever. I'm Ewan Marshall. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.